listeners. You're listening to another episode of Beckett's Babies, a playwriting podcast. Every week we discuss plays we love, interview theater artists, and share our thoughts on playwriting and theater. We are your hosts, Sarah Cho. And Sam Collier. And today we are going to discuss plays that are about specific locations <laughs> that we have lived in. <laughs> So we got this idea of looking at plays that are, you know, really place-based, location-based, inspired by a place. And then we thought, well, since um, Sarah lives in L.A. and I spent a few years living in Maine and we both have lived in the middle of the country in Iowa, we should pick a play that is about each of those places. (laughs) So, so brilliant. Oh, thank Genius. you. Uh, so, and, and really to kind of look at like what is, what makes a play, um, a, what, what makes location-based plays uh, unique and what do they have in common and what, what, do, what kind of differences are there and how do different people bring location into their plays. Hmm. So these are the plays we chose. Um, first up, Twilight Los Angeles, 1992 by Anna DeVere Smith, representing the great city of LA. (laughs) (laughs) Then on the other side of the country, Almost Maine by John Cariani. And then (laughs) last but not least, a lovely little play called Leaving Iowa by Tim Clue and Spike Manton, which we really just found when we googled plays about Iowa. <laughs> Iowa. <laughs> and then we discovered this website devoted to this play talking about how amazing it is. And um you know the promotional material was really effective and so we picked it. If you saw the cover of this play, <laughs> you too will find this very very persuasive to read. <laughs> That's oh, right. Wow. Wow. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. So um Sarah, do you think maybe we should just talk about like our first impressions of each of these plays on their own? And mm-hmm. then we could get into how each of these playwrights uses location. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess start off first of um with Twilight by Anna Devere Smith. And um I think this is my second or third time reading this since college, and I almost forgot that the play was all collected interviews that she's mm. done um and one thing i noticed was how the play first of all the play is all it's like a single person um a character kind of speaking their perspective of what happened in 1992 with um the riots and all the different perspectives and, mm-hmm. and things like that that happened in 1992 um and i thought that uh i don't know why but i was like it was kind of hard for me to read in terms of like all the the language yeah of because it's each person they're so distinct the way they speak so you're forced to kind of get into their head a little bit of how they would how they're who they are and how they're speaking um but um the all in past tense kind of because they're they're all reflecting on like what happened and their right. experience so that was what i noticed and thought it was interesting um 
But yeah, it was like the landscape of L.A., what was going on historically, the events that surrounded the L.A. riots, kind of like, I was like, whoa, this is, it created that landscape. I really felt like I was in 1992 in L.A. Yeah. No, I I agree. I think the language is so distinct and she... um she does such a great job of capturing the rhythms and the kind of vocabulary and the um, just the language that different mm-hmm. people use. She says in the introduction in my copy that she interviewed 200 people. Wow. But then she was only able to um, use about 25 wow. people in the, in the piece that she created, which is kind of incredible if you think about all the voices that were not even represented in the yeah. final product that, you know, she just had this wealth of material to choose from. Wow. 25. Wow. Out of 200. Makes me wonder why the tw- that 25, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. Cool. What do you think about – I feel like we've talked about this before, you and I, but what do you think about her portraying all these different people of different races and ethnicities and genders mm-hmm. – as like a solo performer herself first of all uh what a challenge <laughs> what a challenge i know yeah yeah um uh and you know what's on the text and the language is so it just feels so um like authentic like because she's mm-hmm. literally verbatim taking what they're saying mm-hmm. that i i'm like you know, if she's going to do a Korean accent, like, I don't find it, like, she's going to, like, like, she, it, like, it just looks like, based on the text, like, she's really embodying, like, the the text is forcing her to embody the mannerism and the language, mm. and that you can't, it's like, you can't make fun of it. There's no way to make fun of it. Um, mm-hmm. And so, I think that's, I'm like, I was like, could this? I think I think Center Theater Group is gonna do this play in spring in LA. I think I saw some. Oh, really? Uh, so I'm curious. I don't know if the end of Smith is coming back to perform it or, um, other or you know they're gonna have actors. But um, yeah, I'd be wow. curious to know how they would do this play. It's really wild that it's been 30 years since the LA riots. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Yeah, I was like thinking, where was I? And I think I was living in Orange County. I had just moved somewhere. Um, and I kind of remember my parents wanting to move to L.A., but like knowing that <laughs> everything that was going down in L.A., they're like, yeah. it's not safe right now to live, move to L.A. Um, so we like lived outside of L.A. in Orange County. Okay, yeah. And you, you would have, were you like three in 19? I think so. I was three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> wow preschool um yeah all right well so and we can come back to how the city appears in the play but let's move to um an, uh, the next play which we could go to almost maine mm-hmm. so um is this a real town no it's a fictional town it's but a fictional he, town <laughs> yeah but he says he is really specific about geographically where it is. Mm. Um, it's in like the least populated county way up north in Maine in Aroostook County. And um, he says in the notes of the copy I have, he says it's probably a population of like 300 people and, oh, wow. you know, very rural. But it's not 
one thing I thought was interesting is he specifies it's not a coastal town. It's really um, inland, mm. hundreds of miles from the sea and in potato country. And so it's just a very kind of flat agrarian, um, yeah, rural part of Maine. So I had heard a lot about this play, and I feel like I had read pieces of it, but I had never read the whole thing. Mm. And um, I just found it very charming. (laughs) The entire time I read it, I was like, was Sam, like, looking (laughs) for love? Like, is everyone in Maine just, like, lonely and looking for love and wanting to be loved? (laughs) I was like. Yeah, to be honest, I was expecting not to like it because my impression yeah. of it from reading a description was that it was just like super, um, like, I don't know, like overly sentimental. Yeah, um, it was. And it was. <laughs> it, was. <laughs> it was. It was. And I, you know, I got a little tired of the love thing by the end of the play. Yeah. But... I don't know, it didn't, it didn't veer too much into like, sickly sweetness right in my opinion I'm, I'm curious about how you felt um and mm-hmm. I just kept thinking I can see why so many like high schools and colleges have done this because they're it, you know it's such a great play for character work mm-hmm. there's so many great mm-hmm. characters yeah totally um yeah what'd you think um first of all to provide a little context for a listener so it's a it's a two-act play Mm-hmm. With different scenes of two person, like two person scenes, um, and they all just something surrounding about love, like some kind of romantic. They're all just people falling in love, and falling in love, yeah. And one thing I thought was interesting is they all all these vignettes take place over the same like ten minute period mm. in this one night um, where the northern lights appear. And so right. people kind of keep seeing these, the Aurora Borealis, and it's right. like, in some cases, um, is the catalyst for them falling in love. Yeah. Um, I think the first scene, as soon as I read it, I was like, wow, this is so cheesy. I can't. I was like, <laughs> oh, God. But the thing is, it kind of set my expectation in a way, like, that I was like, okay, am I – is it going to be like this every scene or something? I was like, I, I had no idea what I was looking. I, I didn't like read um, the intro or anything. I just wanted to get into the play and have yeah to, to set my, so the way the first scene set up and then every scene after it was like my meter and cheesiness starts like, <laughs> I was like, okay, that one was more cheesier than this one. So this one is like, I found it a little more funnier, a little more sentimental or less sentimental. And- or maybe you just built up a tolerance. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> that could be. Um, and uh, yeah, I, there was something interesting about the setting in here in this play where I felt um, like it did feel like it's a small town. That, yeah. Like, there, there may be in some degrees of relationship <laughs> somebody knew somebody or something mm-hmm. like it felt it didn't feel big like like the 1992 to los angeles it felt big because we're going to all these right it's such a big sprawl like los angeles is sprawl so i'm like we're in the valley we're in downtown we're like all over but with almost maine it felt a little more 
intimate and that it was the locale seemed smaller. That's so true. And with Twilight Los Angeles, it's like, even though you're getting so many different voices, it still mm-hmm. feels like, you're, you know, there are like a hundred different angles to this object you're looking at and you're only yeah. getting 25 of them. And so you never really have like a full picture, right? It's like mm-hmm. you have this very kind of fragmented, fractured view and it's sort of starts to add up to a picture, but there's still always going to be pieces missing. Whereas almost main it's yeah I agree it's like you do feel like you get a complete picture of this town and it feels kind of insular and one thing I liked was how in each scene or in many of the scenes I don't know if it's all but there's a character who kind of names another character that we've seen in a different scene Mm. and so you see like maybe not everybody knows everybody but everybody's kind of connected by one or two or three degrees of separation from everybody else. Mm. Yeah, that's how I felt too. Um, <clears throat> and then the other play we read is called Leaving Iowa. Um, what did you think of this play? Wild, <laughs> weird, crazy. Um. You found it funny. I didn't really. I mean, there were moments where I was, I, I was like more confused, but um, I, I think as soon as I started to figure out that the um, sort of the technique of, you know, these characters appearing and disappearing and like, we're just yeah. kind of looking, moving from one place. Like as soon as I sort of, figured out what it was trying to do or what it was doing then I was like I was in for a ride Um, (laughs) yeah we should say what it's about so it's it's like the the whole play is kind of framed by this car trip that this um you know like 20th century white midwestern family is going on a (laughs) vacation and they live in Iowa and they're going you know for a a week-long vacation and um and then you also kind of so you start off when the the kids are children and then you kind of move forward in time and so the son has grown up and he's like come back home Mm. from Boston where he lives now he's come back home to like take his father's ashes right to his grandparents' house, which, I mean, his grandparents are gone, but he's going to just show up at this house. Right. And whoever lives now, hopefully, is going to let him, like, scatter the ashes in the backyard. Um, but then he gets there and he discovers that his grandparents' house has been turned into a, a grocery store. And so that kind of sets him on this journey of, like, trying to figure out where to unload his father's ashes but also into his past and he has these kind of flashback memories of this road trip he went on with his family so this is where so you just shared sort of like the main I guess the thread the present day of the son being Mm -hmm. older and he's trying to take his ashes listeners what you have to understand is that (laughs) like buried in that is like we're intercutting we're like going back and forth between that like the present constantly uh and so you're like moment the the mother and the daughter um or 
the man's sister and mother is like they're older and they're young <laughs> they're old and young um and so it's constantly doing that um and so i i was reading the play and i was like i think kids would really love this or like totally because it's totally. just so like high energy you're just constantly changing scenes and locations and characters constantly um short attention span if you got it this is perfect for you (laughs) (laughs) there's a lot um, of scenes of the children fighting in the back seat too yeah there's a lot of that so um but yeah i think uh in terms of this play and the location you know one thing i after reading after reading it i was like thinking i was like i feel like there isn't you know there's a lot of road trip movies but i was like there's not really a road trip play and Mm. i thought that made me think about um with this play um i definitely definitely felt like sort of this the road being on the road in a car uh iowa kansas like the location (laughs) definitely informed this play because it was all about location it was like it was all about these different um places that they were going yeah well, and I think a lot of these characters too just felt so familiar to me. Like mm-hmm. the like the people he meets at the grocery store. There's the woman with the cart that has rolled away and then the guy who works at the <laughs> grocery store and like yeah. I don't know. They were just such funny caricatures of Iowa people. Yeah. Sure were. Um <laughs> <laughs> maybe if I saw this play and then after having a baby and the baby is like older and we're like watch this play I'll like it but I was like I think I'm so I'm too cynical for this (laughs) it definitely felt so midwestern and it made Mm -hmm. me realize like I just haven't seen a lot of plays about this part of the country you know it's so specific you said it was so midwestern like what was it about that felt so midwestern I don't know just the way that like the well okay first of all um the the way that the characters they met like the farmers and the guy at the grocery store and like everybody just kind of had this um Iowa nice personality mm. like kind of like a a veneer of friendliness but then they weren't going to get too close do you know what i mean yeah it's kind of hard to put into words um oh, but just kind of like a folksy and, and there, I don't know, there's a real whiteness about it. Like, I can't really put my finger on it, but about what felt that way. But it just yeah. felt very, like, I, I don't even know. But then there was also, I don't know, you know how in the Midwest when you're just driving down the highway and there's nothing and then you see a billboard for, like, a cavern? And <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> which happens in the play? And mm-hmm. you're like, wow, like, I wonder... How many people get off the highway at this exit and go to that cavern? Yeah. Or or how, you know, just like a a diner can be there can be one diner in a town and like that's where everyone goes. And mm-hmm. um I don't know, Sarah, you lived in Iowa. <laughs> what felt familiar about Iowa from this play? Um that's kind of interesting to talk about the niceness. I think there is this feeling of like 
I mean, the core of this play, like the heart of this play is about the son who, you know, father passed away, kind of grieving and like, and like wanting to spread his ashes, like going someplace that he found memorable, like that remembered as a child and something that his father would want to be, you know, Mm -hmm. where his ashes could be laid, you know? And so Mm -hmm. there's like at that court and, and so, but then layered all over that, like upon layers, upon layers, upon layers of just, just like this high energy, just insane characters and just like all this moving and, you know, like, this all this um mishaps and things like that is that all that is like that core heart is like buried all of that and so yeah and so there's just something about that where yeah i don't know it, it is under something feeling of of not hiding feelings but like we'll get to that later but yeah it's this like i just yeah there's just something about that that i always felt like um, there's this niceness that I don't want to say it's artificial, like it feels shallow or artificial or anything. It's like people are really nice, but it it's like I don't know. It's hard to get to the to the yeah. You don't really get underneath of it. Yeah, not really. Well, yeah, and the, and the other thing too is, and maybe I'm just really noticing this a lot because I'm taking a class right now in Indigenous thought and theory, and I've been thinking a lot about the land in mm. this country. Um, but this play really deals with like land, right? The land and, and, and the kind of open spaces and then the farms and like the way the grandparents house is gone and now there's a grocery store, but Mm. there's, and there's this, like a couple of moments in the play where they, they're kind of like, there are references to Native Americans in ways that are like. I, like maybe meant to be funny but I did not find funny mm. um like I found them a little offensive yeah and and there's a a way in the midwest where it's like I don't know I feel like that happens like a lot of people will reference the history of the people who lived there before white settlers came in but they but they do it in this kind of like offhand way that doesn't ever really get down into the yeah reality of what that means yeah it's it's so interesting you said that because um it reminded me of the moment in the play where um were they like farmers i think like hog farmers and they were like you know long time ago the the government said this was the center of the united yeah. states we profited we made money we were like and then our neighbor down the street said, no, they're the center and they took <laughs> yeah. all our customers. And Okay, you really- didn't find that funny? I thought that was so I thought, no, no, I thought I found it ridiculous, so ridiculous that it was funny. Um, and that was probably one of the more memorable moments of the whole thing. Um, so there is something about, yeah, there's all this land and this idea of like ownership of the land and and people so, trying to make the land mean something, but what it means yeah. is so shallow. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, if this were the center of the country, then we would get more tourists. <laughs> right. Um, more attention. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It was an odd play. That's it for was sure. an odd play. Um, 
but yeah, I can see like students loving this play, doing this play, totally. because I, because it's um it's fun. It is fun. I can see it being really fun for the actor to just play these high energy characters and just um very low stakes. <laughs> There's no, um, <laughs> but so. it's also like I have never seen a car work well on stage. Like four people sitting in a car. In, I don't know, like four chairs or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's really difficult to make interesting. <laughs> well, this is why they have all these like exit and entrance of it's character. It's true. They do move from, around a lot. They it's move true. around. So that's why I think it helps. It's It felt very like improv-y that way. Like I was yeah. like, you would do this in improv, like just in a, start in a chair and then like you're moving all and the characters coming in and out. And um, But there so. are also like a lot of scenes where they're just sitting in the car yelling at each other. <laughs> right. <laughs> So uh, I don't know. It would be hard to do it in a big theater, I think. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't really see this in a big theater, but maybe it could be if the characters or the actors are like could play it big. I could see. Yeah. It. Maybe. But, but yeah, it felt more like a school auditorium. I could see this. <laughs> well. All right. So, um, some discussion questions. So after reading all three of these plays. Do you feel that location is important when you start writing a play? Well, like how important is location? I think it's super important for these plays. I don't want to say location is really important for every play because I think, yeah. you know, I can think of plays where they're kind of open enough to be set in a variety of places. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. What do you think? Um, it made me think a lot, you know, when the, like when you open a play and the setting, right? You got mm-hmm. like the time. Sometimes will provide. Sometimes some plays will provide a setting uh, of a date, year, um, location, like city, mm-hmm. and and then so the reading these plays it made me think a little bit deeply about well, what are you saying about those locations? Yeah. Of those cities. Like, because I think that I was just thinking like, well, you could, you could easily really, if you've never lived in any of these places, you could just sort of like imagine it and then you kind of start stereotyping it. Right. And that kind of starts informing the play. Like, I don't know. I was just thinking about um, how much information does a location provide when you're writing a play and you know i'm just trying to think like example um i can't think of an example right now because my brain is no that's right i mean one thing i noticed about twilight los angeles is there's so many really specific references to like street names right and like places Mm -hmm. and neighborhoods and like i don't know just parts of the city that i think well I mean, first of all, they would really, and people too, right? Like politicians and stuff, but they would really resonate with people who are, who know that, who know LA really well. Right. And are familiar with all those references. But even I think for an audience that really is unfamiliar with LA and doesn't know any of those references, the specificity mm-hmm. helps make it feel more rooted. So, like, if I'm listening to a monologue, from somebody talking about a place I don't know, and they reference all these specific locations within a neighborhood, mm-hmm. I don't have to know 
I don't necessarily have to know what all those locations are in order to get the sense of groundedness that that provides. Although like if I do know all those places, I I have another level of understanding, but Mm. that was something I thought was really interesting as a contrast with almost Maine because almost Maine doesn't have any of that. And it's like, he definitely, you know, references well, I guess now that I'm thinking about it, like he he names Bangor, I think, as like the big city that right. one of the characters flew into. And and he feels the or the play feels very like rooted in this particular part of Maine. But because he's created a fictional town, it doesn't have that same level of specificity. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I guess he has specific details about the state of Maine. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, because I'm you know it doesn't. I guess it doesn't have to be a state or a city to inform the play, but because it could be like living room, present day, right, right, right. We don't have to know what where in the living room, um, where the living room is located. Um, I guess what I'm thinking is like you know, leaving Iowa, for example the play that you know i saw the map and it was like very popular like in the midwest like because yeah like maybe there's certain <laughs> language that kind of understand sort of the the um the people in the world and stuff but i like wondered like okay if i if i was to put it up in la mm-hmm. <laughs> like I, is this like an actual city like a sit not um like a major city whatever like i was like <laughs> all the all the kids, all the actors are gonna start doing, like, you know, Minnesota accent. You know, <laughs> like I don't know. It's like they're just like this isn't how everyone in the Midwest sounds like this Minnesota accent. You know, I don't know. This is what I'm just like thinking is that. Well, yeah, very... but also just the idea of like a long car trip in um, a really rural area is really different from driving around in a car in a big city, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. But they both drive you nuts. You'll both feel nuts in both <laughs> situations. Like, yeah. But I mean, there's no traffic in this play. Like, there's a moment where you get stuck behind an RV. But yeah. I don't know. That seems pretty hard to relate to for kids from LA that there would be no traffic. Yeah. Yeah. Not that okay. I have a lot of experience driving around LA, but it just wouldn't, from what I've heard from you. <laughs> There's always traffic. There's always traffic. I thought it would get better. I was like, after the pandemic, I was like, oh, you know, like, you know, maybe a lot of people are still working from home. And so yesterday, Nick and I were, we were trying to get tacos at one of our favorite places. And it's from where we live to this taco place is only like two miles. And we were in traffic for like 30, 40 minutes. (laughs) You could have walked there in that time. We could have. Um, Let's see. Yeah, that's a long time to be in a car. Were the tacos worth it? Worth it. Tito's tacos. (laughs) That's like when I lived in Maine and I would drive an hour just to get a good loaf of bread. Bread. (laughs) Yep. But it wasn't two miles. It was like 100 miles. That was so funny. Um, Well, and then I'm also thinking, too, about how, like, There are a lot of playwrights who will write a play and say the setting is here, you know, or anywhere or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, they'll, they'll, 
kind of try to set it in any location. Yeah. But I don't know. What do you think about that? Because I, I, I think probably a lot of New York playwrights, a lot of East Coast playwrights, when they are imagining, oh, this play could happen anywhere, they're really thinking about a place that's similar to where they live, mm-hmm. like New York, you know? Yeah. And I've just lived in so many different places over the last 10 years, and I'm thinking that every place is so different and, and yeah. in, in, in ways that are really hard to kind of put into words, but it, it does kind of shape the kinds of conversations that people have if they're in like Northern Michigan or right. Los Angeles. Yeah. I think, I think even when a playwright says like, Oh, setting is anywhere. <laughs> it's just like, but when you're writing it, I think you have a, a place in mind when you're writing right. it. Right. Yeah, that's what I mean. Even if you're not aware of that. You're not aware of that. Right. Um, yeah, this is what I mean where, where um, I don't know, maybe because it just contextualizes like what's going on in, in our country right now where if everything is like polarized and divided and stuff like that. So like location, like, like. I do find myself, and probably because of media, like I do find myself being like stereotyping certain areas of the country. Like I'm totally, like, yeah. You know, Florida is this, the Midwest is this, New York is this. You know, I'm like, you know, and so I think this is where I'm like, it. If I don't know, like if you general, if you generalize a location now I feel like it could kind of get into a dangerous area like a gray area yeah because you don't want to like stereotype or anything but but like it, it is making me think like location as how informs a play location could be just as much of a character of mm-hmm. the world as you're writing um well and it yeah and it kind of suggests that there, you know, there's a real danger to trying to write about a place you don't know that well. Mm-hmm. Maybe danger is too strong of a word, but you, I do think you can kind of make some generalizations, as you said, or make some assumptions that right. are not true. And, and you're kind of working off of your... Yeah, you're working off of those biases or assumptions instead of actually working off of, like, what it feels like to really be in that place. Mm-hmm. How – do you think you have to know a place really well before you write about it? Or how well do you think you should know a place? I think I think personally for me, um, I will – I think I will always write based on experience, like, from a – so if I, like – I have to like have visited a place once, you know, mm-hmm. to kind of yeah. get the feeling of like, um, cause a, a town versus a city is different, you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, the people and like, you know, it, like, yeah, I think, yeah, I think about Northern Michigan, right. It's like, there's a lot of, if you leave like, the world, there's like, there's a, it's a lot of land. People are kind of further apart. People are kind mm-hmm. of, so what does that mean? Like homes are further apart. There's a lot of land like versus you're in a city, you're in an apartment, 
you're like everywhere around you, you hear sounds of people pooping and farting and like <laughs> you know it's, it's like close quarters you know there's a there's just it's it's a different already a different vibe to both those situations um not having that general understanding because like yeah i don't know like um i mean you could do research you could watch a bunch of movies or google it and you kind of get a sense of like yeah this is kind of like that place i visited um but, mm-hmm. but i don't know it i just think that with politics and everything that's going on like you know even comedian like i see late night shows sometimes like watching you know when i watch comedians um it's like if they're from a new or major city and then they're like you know if they have never it, I, I don't know you get to tell them when they're like making fun of a place or making fun of the town right. the people in the place and so so i don't know um it's definitely definitely makes reading these plays and thinking about location a little more deeply made me really think a little bit about how I want to write and a little bit more about thinking specificity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm just who... all my plays in outer space. <laughs> I know y'all haven't been there, so <laughs> you're all going to sit in outer space. Yeah, it could be whatever you want. Yeah. NASA will be p- pissed, but you know what? F NASA. <laughs> NASA. Well, I don't know. As somebody who, like, I experienced a real shock when I moved from Maine to Boulder, Mm -hmm. Colorado, and there were so many people around. And I was like, oh, I'm just out of practice being in crowds. Like, I hadn't done it for (laughs) two years. And I was like, this feels really physically uncomfortable to be around all these people. Yeah. Talking. Not yeah. to me. Like, it was very confusing. <laughs> it's different. It's different. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah. Like, uh, like Nick doesn't see this, but, like, every time I go to Michigan and, um, and like, a, we kind of drive out of a city, or like, the closest major city or whatever, and I kind of, like, walk into a store. There, it's, like, they're always stunned. Like, oh, this is a different person coming yeah. in. Like, because they don't see a lot of Asians. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, I'm sure in the summertime there's tourists that I probably see more, but like, we usually go off season and they're like, oh. And you have all that like extra attention that you can yeah. feel. I feel mm-hmm. it. Yeah, I mm-hmm. feel it. And um, the, they say it's like, oh, Midwest nice, but I'm like, but they're a little too nice to me because they're like, mm-hmm. oh, strangers trying to demonstrate. Strangers in our, <laughs> our midst. We got to be, we got to show them that this is America. <laughs> It's like that's the feeling I get. Well, I- and that's the thing that, like, I think John Cariani is a little disingenuous when you, you know, he wrote almost Maine about this tiny little town in Maine, which is the whitest state. Mm. And he says in the notes at the beginning, um, let's see if I can find it. Well, he says, I'm not able to find it right now, but he's like, you know, this is a play about characters and they can be played by actors of any color, race, ethnicity, ability. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't know. There's something about a small town like this where there's, you know, in Maine, where there's kind of an expectation that everyone's like kind of the same, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's what makes outsiders stand out in a really sometimes uncomfortable way right and and that seems like a big part of the play but it's 
not really acknowledged by the playwright. Right. Um, so I think there's a way in which, you know, even when you're writing a play about a place intentionally, if it's a place you, if it's, how do I want to say this? If it's a place you haven't really necessarily looked at from the outside, like you're just very familiar with that place only, then Mm -hmm. you are probably also putting a lot of unconscious um, assumptions into that setting that you haven't necessarily thought about. Right. I don't know. Do you think you have to live somewhere else in order to really understand the place that you're from? Mm. I mean, I think when I lived in Iowa for three years, I was like, I made me really, because I was, I lived in California for so long, my entire life. Yeah. And my brain was like, this is, this is like, how the world I, is. I was pretty naive, like, because I was like, mm-hmm. I was so used to just like, um, people like me looking like me, and just kind of, I was the majority, not the majority, but like, you know, I was like, I didn't ever feel like an outsider. Yeah. Until like when I moved and lived in some place like Iowa, where I was like, where like you find trying to find good Asian food was so hard. I was like, yeah, what. It was like, um, and yeah, or no, I I don't think it wasn't until I moved to Iowa too, where I was like asked like, like like kind of like, what are you? Are you Chinese? Are you kind of like they're trying? Where are you from? Wow. You know, kind of yeah. like I never was. At, I would never, not once in my entire life. Maybe when we're like when you're kids, but kids don't really know anything. But like as an a you know teenager to an adult in California, and I was never asked that question until I moved to Iowa, and I was like, well. Okay, so this is what they were talking about mm-hmm. in college, you know, but we we studied about um like racism, well like not racism, but you know. Um Yeah. So I didn't really understand that until like experiencing Well, and it raises firsthand. the question of like who belongs here by default? Like who's kind of given the privilege of just like automatically belonging? Yeah. And who isn't? And and that seems really important when you're talking about a a specific place that you're setting your play right um yeah like i said this is all to say i think even if the location is anywhere the setting is anywhere i think that when writing a play uh location is a big consideration to think about um i agree yeah that seems like a really good takeaway. Also, <laughs> right? another so. takeaway, yeah. playwrights, listeners, people out there, um, if you've written a play about the place that you're from or the place that you live, I'd really love to read it. I want to read more plays that are specifically about a place. Yeah. And God, we need more plays about Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think this did it. Like I think living <laughs> Iowa Leaving Iowa was... Think this is enough? I think this was enough. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, what about Michigan? Is there any place about Michigan? I feel like there's a place about Detroit. Yeah, like, Monopoly. Oh, yeah. Now, now, that's a good example of, like, I did not visit Detroit. I did not, vis- <laughs> I did not visit Detroit. So I wrote a play about Monopoly about two sisters set in Detroit. All because I wrote, I watched a documentary <laughs> of what was going on and, like, 
this like recession and um and that is such a good example of like i wrote that play not have visited detroit but like just trying to throw in detroit in there just go like sprinkle it in <laughs> not really going visiting there and then well, after, i thought it was a great play well if you like if you ignore the detroit <laughs> it's like oh it's about two sisters uh it's fun it's like i think it's fun but um but yeah that's such a good example of like i never once visited michigan or detroit i just had this idea of detroit based yeah. on a, a documentary i saw and i was just like letting that inform the play um but now i actually now i have visited detroit i see the city now <laughs> like um, I see parts of the town where just completely where I did imagine like, oh, this is the, what I did think was happening, that mm -hmm. there's parts of Detroit where it's it's still like uh, it's abandoned buildings and it just does not look this kind of looks creepy and scary. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but then also parts of Detroit that's like renovations and things are happening and um it's nice and clean and but yeah but yeah that's your i would love to see some plays about detroit i think that'd be really Me too. interesting well and there's definitely plays about chicago shout out to yep. Yep. the wizards by ricky gamboa which is having a production this fall in chicago and and ricky wrote the wizards as part of the good men um playwrights unit a couple years ago so oh, like cool yeah i mean i think there's definitely plays about like major cities, mm -hmm. but I don't know. I'm I would I would love to see a play about like I don't know Elk Rapids, Michigan. Just mm -hmm. to throw that out there, Sarah, or like little tiny town in Minnesota or something. You know, that's really that's not just like oh this plays about small town America. But that's like yeah. about this town. You this know? town. Our town. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, maybe we should move to Glissons. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, all right. Glisten. Um, I could go first. Um, it's October. Uh, I feel like <laughs> it's finally getting cool in LA. And people are like, what is cool to you? Like, 68 degrees yeah yeah, yeah that's, that is my question <laughs> um because we were in a, a couple of weeks <laughs> of heat wave and now we're out of it and it's like i think the degrees is finally dropping and i'm like oh so nice i could wear sweatpants and not shorts and like oh it's nice okay it's nice um <laughs> and you know fall is my favorite season and uh halloween's around the corner I watched Hocus Pocus movie, Disney movie. <laughs> I watched it when I was a kid. I, this is like, this is my like go to fall movie. I'll watch it at least like once a year. You know, it's really? my favorite. Yeah, I love Hocus Pocus. It's like has everything I like. It's like sisters, witches, and like um, it's the sh it's the movie where when I was really young and I saw it, where I was like, I would love to move to <laughs> Salem, Massachusetts. <laughs> To see the colors, like I remember thinking that. Like speaking of location, I don't think I've ever seen Hocus Pocus. You've never seen it? Oh my gosh! I think you'll think it's so weird and crazy, but maybe I should watch it. And then so uh, yesterday, 
after like 25 years, I don't know, really long time, because the first one moved, the movie came out in 1993, apparently did really horrible in the box office and stuff like that is what I read. But um, it had a following because like kids like me, like millennials who watch it when they're kid and they grew up watching it every fall was obsessed with it um now there was a sequel hocus pocus 2 that came out yesterday they brought back the same actors um the play the sanderson sisters and um it was fun i thought it was funny um was it everything you hoped it would be yes i mean like it in like modern day present day i mean i felt a little old too old to watch it because i was like oh this is this is for gen z like this is for um the mm-hmm. new generation but i felt like but then because they were like um pulling the references from the first one like i felt welcomed into the world <laughs> so i was like okay i don't feel too old i feel um there was the singing and the fun and it was it was all fun um it was i mean so there's a reference in uh, one of the spells that they do um in the first movie and the ingredient of the spell, there was like a, it's called dead men. They say like, we need a dead man's toe. And I remember in fourth grade, like I wrote a whole short story about called dead man's toe. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I wrote like, I'm all made up. And I'm just like, like a, a short story about these dead man's toes coming out of the ground, trying to get people. <laughs> like um, This is like yeah. your original inspiration for becoming a writer. Hocus Pocus. I think so. It had just like, I had everything that idea. I liked. I just had everything that I liked when I was young. So, but yeah, Hocus Pocus. Nick, I forced Nick to watch it with me. Um, Hocus Pocus, the first one, because he was so, um, he, got, he got the COVID and flu vaccine and mm. really knocked him down. So he was so weak that he couldn't fight back my <laughs> choices <laughs> that I want to watch. So I was like, okay, since you don't care and you're really like, you know, under the weather, we're going to watch Hocus Pocus. And he was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I just, like, just sat through and watched Hocus Pocus. But it was perfect. It's like a mindless, fun movie. So I thought it was perfect. He didn't Does like he it. normally fight back when you try to make him watch things? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I like, kind like, of get the sense he you just get your way a lot. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, no, no. When it comes to movies, he gets his way. And he'll just, if he doesn't, he's like, I'm not interested in this. And I want us to watch it together because if it's like a favorite movie of mine, I don't want him to sit and watch with me. He'll just get up and say, like, I'm going to the room. I'm getting my computer. I'm going to write. <laughs> so I'm just like, <laughs> I'd rather do that uh, at 8 wow. p.m. in the evening than watch a, a movie that you love, Sarah. Um, well, I'm yeah. glad you took advantage of this opportunity. I know. I know. I was like, from now on, I want him to get the double shots so that I can watch the <laughs> stuff I want to watch. Um, but yeah. Hocus Pocus and Hocus Pocus 2. All right. I'll check them out. Um, well, I my listen is last weekend, um, I produced a 24-hour play festival again at wow. CU Boulder, which was super fun. Um, I feel like I've probably explained it on here before, but briefly to review, it's, um, it, it's a, a number of, 10-minute plays that are all written, rehearsed, and produced within 24 hours. So mm. we met Friday night. The playwrights got their actors and um, ingredients. So they each got a food and a – like the, the, the name of a food and a prop and a 
line of dialogue, and then they had until 8 a.m. the next morning to write a 10-minute play. And then they rehearsed all day from like 9 until 5. We did a little tech, and then the show opened at 8 on Saturday. Wow. I was really impressed with what people came up with. It was a really good um, variety of plays. They were fun. Was there a lot of tech? Or is it very no, it, it was very simple. It was just lights up, yeah. lights down. Oh, I um, see. And then sound, some sound cues and like transition music. Wow. Um, but yeah, if, if there's anyone out there that is thinking about doing this, I highly recommend it. It was really fun. And it's a great way it. for people to get involved in the department who, mm. um, you know, can't make a big time commitment because it's only one day. Oh, I thought you were going to say because they're, they're too good for it or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was about to do a 24-hour festival. Really? But I was I was so – yeah, I was like, I didn't want to commit to it because I'm pregnant. <laughs> so I was oh, like, yeah. You were going to do it in know. L.A.? Yeah. And I was like, I don't cool. know if I can do it. Nah, I don't I, – because I, my symptoms are so unpredictable that I was like – Yeah. So I was like, I don't know. But um, I think – 24-hour festivals are really cool just to get all your just get all the create like get it all out of your system in a way that's you know it's super fun and it's such a good reminder that you know so often we really overthink things yep but when you just have such a limited amount of time to write something or or rehearse something and you just have to make decisions really fast Mm -hmm. um sometimes that's where the best work comes you know yeah definitely yeah when i'm writing my plays i don't think at all i don't <laughs> think i do not think that seems to be working really well for you though all right all right all right well great conversation <laughs> listeners i hope um yeah if you got a, a play about a location send us a, send it our way I'm yeah it let us know um, cool all right, right. bye 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 <laughs>